Welcome, it's so great to have you. It's great to be able to worship the Lord together and celebrate. And we're extra thankful uh, this year, uh, last year for us at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Uh, we weren't able to have our Christmas Eve services. Uh, remember pre-recording those uh, services in one of the homes of our worship team members. And it's just great uh, to be together. And so we want to welcome you and, and praise the Lord together. Yeah, it's great to be together. Also, we want to welcome everyone online. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for uh, worshiping. Hope that you feel uh, welcome as, as well. Before we get into uh, the message, I just wanted to, to pause uh, for just a moment and uh, reflect. Uh, think about maybe where you were 2020 December and then where you are this afternoon. And I'm sure that there's a lot that has happened in your life. Probably some plans that have been altered, some things that you thought would go one way, but because of everything that's taking place in our world have gone a, a completely different direction. Probably some loved ones that have passed away uh, in the last year. And it does cause me to just be thankful for the Lord, to be thankful for our, our church family. Uh, if Arm sees your, your home church, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for loving the Lord. Thank you for serving the Lord in your homes, in the church, in the community, and staying unified uh, together. It's been awesome to see. And, and so from the pastoral staff here, we, we just want to say thank you. And I want to thank our pastoral team uh, as well. I love serving with all of our, our pastors here. Uh, if you're not sure who the pastors are, we're wearing suits uh, this afternoon. We don't normally do that. So... But we're just feeling uh, festive uh, this afternoon. But so thankful for our pastoral team and everybody that serves here at RMC. It's just been a fun year after not being able to have so many events and then being able to have them this year. One of them that really stood out to me was Vacation Bible School. And after doing Vacation Bible School year after year, it can kind of feel like quite a chore. Uh, and it didn't feel this way. Uh, the church really rallied behind it. The kids were so excited uh, to be at Vacation Bible School. I think one of uh, the saddest things for me as a pastor were the times that we didn't have children's ministry uh, during COVID. And to see those halls just be completely uh, quiet and those rooms uh, barren. And to see the kids come back into in children's ministry. So we're thankful to the Lord, thankful for you, and, and thankful to be able to celebrate the birth of Christ uh, together. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We'll be looking at the first 20 verses in Luke 2. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. And we're here for you this afternoon, here to worship you, to give you praise. We thank you for your promise that if we draw near to you, that you'll draw near to us. And Jesus, we need a savior. We're sinners and we're so thankful that you came and you died for our sins. You took our sin upon yourself. I, I pray for all of us this afternoon that we would know your love in a fresh way. That this wouldn't just be a tradition that we do because it's Christmas Eve, but that you would be gracious to meet us here. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think all of us are longing for good news and great joy. Good tidings and great joy. 
For a lot of us, uh, the last year and a half, as soon as we think that we have good news, it seems like things change, plans get canceled, and all of a sudden that great joy has gone out the door. I want us to think about how difficult it would have been for those that were living at the time of Christ's birth. I think oftentimes we forget that, but this is the nation of Israel, and they're under the rule of the Roman Empire, just a brutal dictatorship. I mean, can you imagine the United States being under the tyranny of, a, of another country and really being under this heavy thumb of the Roman Empire and their lives were difficult because of that. We'll even see that with the birth of Jesus for, for Mary and Joseph. They've got to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem because Rome asked them to, because Rome mandated it, because Rome proclaimed it. And in the midst of this Roman Empire, the, the Roman darkness, Jesus comes Rome had a lot of strong leaders, and they weren't godly leaders. Oftentimes, they were wicked and evil leaders. And in contrast to that, here comes this humble servant that was born in Bethlehem. Our real longing, (laughs) the real longing deep inside of our hearts is Christ. He's the one that can provide the, the joy, the abundant life that we're really searching for and we're looking for. So verse 1 of chapter 2, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all of the world should be registered. And it came to pass in those days. There's some events leading up to this before Christ is born. One significant one is the birth of John the Baptist. We've got Zechariah and Elizabeth had been faithful to the Lord but not able to have kids And God gives them a child in their old age, a child of promise, John the Baptist, that is going to prepare the way of the Lord. So John the Baptist has been born. Mary has become pregnant through the Holy Spirit, the virgin birth, immaculate conception. There's events that were leading up to this moment, and those things have come to pass. And now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, his given name was Gaius Octavian. You may know him from history. He decided to change his name to Caesar Augustus. He ruled over Rome from 27 BC to 14 AD. He was the Roman Empire. Augustus literally means lofty one. I guess he thought that Octavius wasn't enough of a pious name. So he was really elevating himself to some type of deity. And here's Caesar Augustus, and he thinks that he's in charge, but Jesus is coming as a humble servant. And he gives this decree, he gives this command, this mandate, that everybody should have to be counted, that they should be registered in a, in a census. You have to go back to your hometown to be counted. This census first took place when Canarius was governing Syria. So Caesar Augustus is over the Roman Empire, and Canarius is governing Syria and this region of Israel, and this command that's given to be counted. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. We can quickly pass this in the narrative, in the story, but there's so much here for us to glean. And the first is, it shows that God's in charge. 
Caesar Augustus can mandate, he can proclaim, but God's will is going to be done. And this is fulfilling prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Back in Micah 5 verse 2, God told us in his word, he foretold us that his son was going to be born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph, though, they live in Nazareth. How are they going to get to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus? Last trimester, the last month of your pregnancy, that's not when you're going to travel. The only reason they're going to travel is because they're forced to. Put yourself in Mary and Joseph's shoes. They're probably going, Lord, where are you in this? Here, this is your son. This is the Messiah. But yet we've got to leave Nazareth at the very time that the Christ child's to be born. They've never been parents before, obviously. They're separated from, from family. For those of you that are parents, remember how nervous you were on your firstborn? I was nervous when all four were born, but especially our, our firstborn. And, and here's Mary and Joseph. And, and I think there's a great application for us in December of 2021 because our plans have been changed because of government mandates, right? And it can cause a, a lot of frustration. And I'm not trying to be political. I'm just pointing out the reality that this is the world we've been living in. And we can often wonder like, God, why are I having to go to Bethlehem? Why am I being asked to, to do this? But God's in control. I bet for most of us, our lives literally have changed over these last two years. And God is the one who's in control. God's the one who's weaving the fabric. God is bringing Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. So Canarius is not in control. Caesar Augustus isn't in control. God's in control to bring Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem to fulfill Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2 says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, thought you are little among thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So a clear reference to the Messiah being born in Bethlehem. Bethlehem is five miles out of Jerusalem. Bethlehem literally means house of bread. Isn't that a cool name for a city? I would imagine at some point they cooked some really good bread. Maybe sourdough, right? But they got the name house of bread. And here, God's son is born in Bethlehem, this small town, because he's the bread of life. There's more fulfilled prophecy in this verse. Joseph is from the lineage of David. And this is important because God promised to David that one of his descendants would reign forever. In 1 Chronicles 17, 14, it says this. The Bible says, his kingdom shall be established forever. You see, David wanted to build God a house, wanted to build God a temple. God told him no, because he was a man of war and had too much blood on his hands. Instead, God said to David, I want to build you a house and your descendants will reign forever. And that was fulfilled through Jesus Christ. Jesus had to be a descendant of, of David. And Joseph is of the lineage of David. Maybe you're curious about who Christ is. You're curious about the Bible. And you're going, is there more to this Jesus? Or is this just some kind of superstition? Should I put Jesus in the Santa Claus category or in the God category? I'm not completely sure. 
Well, look at the fulfilled prophecy that takes place just in these few verses. The prophecy that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem from Micah. Prophecy all the way from 1 Chronicles 7, that the Messiah would be from the lineage of David. The most mind-blowing of these prophecies is the virgin birth, and we see that in the next verse. Then the angel said to them, do not... I jumped way too far down there, so... Verse 5, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. His betrothed wife. They were engaged to be married. We know from the scriptures that Joseph didn't know Mary intimately until after the birth of Jesus. After Christ was born, they had normal husband and wife relationships and went on to have more children. But Jesus was different. He was of virgin birth. Isaiah 7 verse 14 says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What separates Jesus from all else is he's the God-man. Conceived of the Holy Spirit. And this would be a sign to us that Jesus is separate from anyone else and he's Emmanuel, God with us. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus is with us? Through the ups and downs of life and the confusion and the challenges, it's Emmanuel, God with us. So three fulfilled prophecies right here that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of the lineage of David and the virgin birth. In verse 6, so it was while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. I always think it's humorous how God describes that in, in his word. Mary's the one who's delivered. I think any of you moms know you're the one that's delivered when the baby's born. By the end of nine months, you're like, get this baby out. I'm ready to be delivered. So, so Mary was, was delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. What, what a moment for Mary and Joseph. As they're alone, what appears to be in a barn, probably a cave. In the ancient world, they would oftentimes put their animals in a cave instead of building a barn. There was no room for them in the inn. As they come to Bethlehem, the place that Joseph was born, this small town outside of Jerusalem, there's no place for them to stay. Everybody's having to come back to Bethlehem for the census, those that are are from there. You would think that somebody would give up their room for a very pregnant mom. Saying, here, you you take the room. But no one was thinking that way. So there's no place for Mary and Joseph. They must have had to go on and ask and said, can we take shelter with the animals? Here's the creator of the universe, born in a barn. If we would think of where God's son would be born, where would we place it? Probably not in a barn. And it speaks of the humility of Christ. It speaks that Christ is approachable by all of us. He's approachable by those that are high in society, those that are low in society, everywhere in between. Jesus came as a servant to die for our sins. So he's placed in this feeding trough for animals. Now we focus upon the shepherds who are the first to hear the news of the Christ child. 
Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Shepherds. Most likely these shepherds, part of their job, part of their flock was to care for lambs that would be used in Passover sacrifice. They're just outside of Jerusalem and this is the area that's known for for sheep. And so they were raising sheep and lambs for the Passover, most likely. And here comes the Lamb of God who's slain for the sins of the world. Shepherds were considered during this time to be unclean because of the nature of their work. They're constantly with manure. They're getting cut up. If they were to just head into the temple without a period of time separated from their work, they would be unclean. God specifically reveals to the shepherds that his son was born because throughout Christ's life and ministry, he wants it to be known that he came for the unclean, that he came for the sinner. In fact, the ones that rejected Christ and had the hardest time with Christ didn't acknowledge that they were sinners, scribes and Pharisees. They had it all together. Jesus came and spent time with sinners. He was the friend of sinners. He came to be the ransom, to pay the price for sin. And he's making this statement here by coming to the shepherds that were considered to be unclean. One of the things that stands out to me about the shepherds is they're faithful. Here it is at night and they're taking care of their sheep. A good shepherd loves his sheep, spends time with his sheep, cares for them, protects them. They're being faithful. But this night is going to be a memorable night in verse 9. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Maybe they're looking up at the stars. Maybe they're tending for one of the sheep. Maybe they're starting to go to sleep for the night. And boom, here's an angel standing before them. With the angel is the glory of the Lord. There's times in the Old Testament where God reveals his glory on Mount Sinai, when the tabernacle was dedicated, when the temple was dedicated, and God's glory, his presence, it's so thick that the priests couldn't even be in the temple. They couldn't be in the tabernacle. Moses, as he encountered the glory of the Lord, his face reflected the glory of God. So, So God reveals his glory here. There's the angel, but there's also the glory of the Lord. And they're afraid. They're like, what in the world is is going on? Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The message from the angels is threefold. And the first is this, that Jesus is good tidings of great joy. May I remind you this afternoon that Jesus is good news? Maybe you've forgotten that. When you think about Jesus, you don't think of him in the sense of of good news. The word gospel that the Bible uses in several occasions, it literally means good news. If your understanding about Jesus is, man, he's a huge bummer. I remember growing up and thinking, the last thing I want to do is serve Jesus because he's going to suck all of the joy out of my life. I'm never going to be able to do anything fun if I surrender my life to Jesus. You might even be convinced in the back of your mind if you you surrender to Jesus that he's gonna force you to go be a missionary in some country that you don't have a heart for. Like if I follow Jesus, I guess I'm moving to the jungles of Congo to, to serve Jesus. 
But here, the message from God through the angels is, this is good tidings. This this is good news of, of great joy. If you're a believer or a brother or sister in Christ, we need to be reminded that Christ is good news. When we share Christ and we talk about Christ and we think about Christ, that, man, this is good news. This is God loving us and sending his son to to die for us so that we could be uh, forgiven. The angels don't come to the shepherds and go, oh man, this is a big bummer. Jesus came for you guys, you know. No, this is good news. I I bring you good tidings of great joy. And notice that it's, it's for the whole earth. It's to all people. This is the whosoever of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus said that he came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. Not an easy life. Not a life that always makes sense. Not a life without sacrifice. But he came to give us eternal life and abundant life. And the person of Jesus Christ in the manger is great joy. We're told in the Psalms that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. John, the disciple, he writes 1 John and he describes his relationship with Jesus, his friendship with Jesus. He describes it as fellowship with Jesus and he says, we have access to that same fellowship so that our joy may be full. I'm challenged by this. This is not just some joy. This is great joy. And am I experiencing the joy of the Lord that comes through relationship with Jesus? There's a lot of other counterfeits out there. We can look to possessions. We can look to pleasure. We can even look to family and holidays. And as wonderful as Christmas is, it ultimately can't provide the joy that you're looking for. I think they lie to us on Hallmark movies, (laughs) those Christmas Hallmark movies, right? You're probably longing for something a little bit more. And it's Jesus. And it's him that provides that great joy. That's why he came to to give us joy. The second message from the angel, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Jesus is our Savior. Not only is he good news of great joy, but he is our Savior. Why did Jesus come? Why did God send his son? Why did God take on human flesh? Why was he born in a manger? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's the reason that he came. He came to die for sinners. Well, what's sin? Sin is when we miss the mark. If you're shooting a gun, shooting a bow and arrow at a target, and you miss that mark, that's sin. It's willful disobedience against God, but it's also when we're trying to do right and we miss the mark. I think if we're honest, we would agree with what the Bible says. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And why this is such good news about Jesus is because he came for sinners. He came to answer our greatest need. Our greatest need is his greatest deed, and he went to the cross. Continue to follow the story of Jesus through the Gospels, lived a perfect life, rejected, crucified. As he's crucified, he takes the price for our sins. He pays the penalty for our sins. To where 
Jesus cried out and says, it is finished. Te telestai, it's been paid in full for my sin, for your sin. So the invitation is given that as we believe, we're saved. As we turn from sin and believe in Christ, we're saved by grace, by by God's mercy, not through our works. It would be nice as believers, the moment that we receive Christ, that we stopped sinning. But unfortunately, that hasn't been my experience. Has that been your experience? We continue to sin. We continue to fall short. It's good news for us on this Christmas Eve that Jesus came for sinners. If you haven't trusted Christ for salvation, notice the way it's phrased in Scripture, the way it's phrased in in the Bible, that unto you, there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. It's personal. Jesus was born for you to be your Savior. But will you choose it? Will you allow him to be your savior? Will you accept that free gift of salvation through faith? Jesus came to be our savior. The third thing is that the angel declares, who is Christ the Lord? Jesus is Christ the Lord. What does the word Christ mean? It literally means anointed one. Messiah means anointed one. Christ means Messiah, the anointed one. In Isaiah chapter 61, we see a prophecy about the Messiah, the role of of the Messiah. Is it a big deal that Jesus is the Christ? Yes, because listen to this description of Christ. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. There it is again, good news. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Do you have a broken heart? Jesus can heal your broken heart. He came as the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one to heal broken hearts. Are you in a place where you feel captive? You feel captive to depression. You feel captive to sin. Captive to drugs or or alcohol. Captive to, to bitterness. Well, Jesus came to set the captives free. Good news. That's the Messiah. That's the anointed one. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To proclaim comfort on all who mourn. That's the Messiah. He's Christ the Lord. How about this phrase, the Lord? It's some word that we use oftentimes, but what does it mean? It means for him to be our master. And this is where we do really experience the joy of the Lord is when we surrender to his lordship. We're designed where something is going to be in charge of our lives. And hopefully we've come to a place of realizing, I sure make a mess of things when I call the shots. I'm ready to surrender. I'm ready for Jesus to be my Lord. Jesus, I want to walk with you today. I'm surrendering myself afresh to you. This baby, born in a manger, died for our sins, rose again, ascended to the Father, And we've been studying on the weekends the book of Revelation as a church family that really focuses on the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you as we think of his first coming, him being born in the manger, to not forget that he's also the king. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords and he's coming back. And the proper place for Jesus in our lives is for him to be our Lord. So this is the message that's given to the shepherds. And this will be a sign to you, verse 12, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. How do you know 
the Christ child. Well, go look for a manger for a crib. If you find a baby in a feeding trough, then you know it's the Christ child. Because you don't often find a baby in a barn, and you don't find a baby in a feeding trough. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Have you ever considered this from the perspective of the angels who have seen Jesus in all of his glory? who were there when Christ spoke all things into existence, let there be light, and boom, there was light. And now they see God in human flesh dying for sinners. And they're like, only God can do this. Glory to God that he would love humanity this much that he would give his son to be the sacrifice for their sins. And they just begin to worship and they know the impact that it has on earth. On earth, peace and goodwill towards men. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He brings peace into our lives. This is the best thing for us is the gift of God's Son. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that had come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. The angels leave as quick as they came, and the shepherds are like, all right, we got a job to do. Let's go find the Christ child. Let's go find the Savior, just as the angels had declared. In verse 16, And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. How encouraging this must have been for Mary and Joseph. They don't have any family. They don't have any friends. They're alone here in Bethlehem. And here come the shepherds that understand the significance that this is the Christ child. And they're able to have this moment of celebration. There was no room for Jesus in the end, but there was room in the shepherds' lives for Jesus. And in our lives, is there room for Jesus? Would we be like the shepherds? where we would be excited about Christ. We would be excited about the grace and the goodness of of Christ. And the shepherds, as they encounter Jesus, they can't help but go and tell. They get on social media and TikTok, and they let everybody know what's happened and, and taken place. Much better they did it in person, huh? They went and shared the good news of, of Jesus Christ. Now, we need to be loving people, in Jesus' name, sharing who Jesus is. The world's dark. I don't think I need to go into that for us to realize and know that. The world needs to know that there's a Savior. People that don't know Christ is their Savior. I think a lot of times we're looking around hoping that somebody else will go out and tell people about Jesus when God wants us to go out. This Christmas Eve... Tomorrow morning as you celebrate, look for opportunities to go and share of what you know about Jesus. You don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a Bible theologian. All you have to do is know what Christ has done in your life and share it. Share the power of John 3.16. Share the power of Romans 5.8. There's power in the gospel. There's power in the good news that Jesus has died for our sins and rose again. And the shepherds go out and they they proclaim and they share. In verse 18, And all those who heard it marveled in those things which were told them by the shepherds. People couldn't deny it. And they start to marvel when they hear of what the shepherds experienced. 
Here's Mary's response. But Mary kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart the way only a mom can. Mary's taking snapshots. She knows that this is God's son and she's pondering these things in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told them. What if the shepherds wouldn't have went and investigated for themselves? It would have been pretty cool for the angel to say, the Christ child has been born, to hear the angels express glory to God. But they had so much more joy because they went and investigated. And I'd encourage you to do the same. Maybe you're hearing about Christ for the first time this afternoon. Is go and investigate. We've got some Bibles in the back. They're free. We want to give them to you. It's, a, it's our gift to you. Pick one up and, and start reading the Gospel of Luke. Start reading the, the Gospel of Mark. In the front of the Bible, there's the books of the Bible. And you'll find Luke and Mark and the page number. But investigate who Jesus is. Don't take somebody else's word for it. The church is not a perfect representation of, of Jesus. Believers, we're, we're definitely not a perfect representation of Jesus. We, we fall short, we sin. Jesus stands alone. And the way to get to know him is, is examine him in the scriptures. Find out who he is in, in the truth of, of scriptures. Be like the shepherds who went and investigated for themselves. So for us tonight, as believers... Let's continually take joy in the Lord to find him to be the source of our joy. I have an old pickup truck that I really enjoy. It's a 1978 uh, Chevy K10. It's been a fixer-upper and got it for $500 from a friend probably four years ago. But there was a period of time this year where I didn't have it insured just because of reality of a lot of vehicles. And it's like, okay, I need to go ahead and take insurance off of this for uh, a period of time. So the truck was just sitting out in the front yard on the curb and I couldn't drive it. And I knew that there was joy in the truck, but I couldn't experience that joy. So I was like, I got to reinsure this. You know, so we put insurance back on it and I'm driving it again and I'm taking joy in my truck again. And it's one of those simple pleasures of life. You know, I don't know why it's fun, but driving that beat up truck and smelling the carburetor and the gasoline and I, don't, I just, I feel the joy of the Lord, you know, <laughs> feel a little more of a man when I drive that thing, right? But sometimes that's the way it is with Jesus as believers, is it's like, I know there's joy in Jesus. I know that there's grace. I know that he's forgiven my sins. I know that he's the source of living water. And it's right there. It's right at the front curb, if you would, of our lives. But we're not entering into that joy. Maybe it's been a while since you've entered into the joy of the Lord. Just remember, God loves you. Jesus is for you. Jesus died for you. He's, he's your savior and find joy in that friendship and that fellowship with Jesus. Another way to think of this is, you know, you might have skis or snowboard in the garage, but how many years has it been since you've used the skis or the snowboard? Again, that's me. I, I've got a snowboard that I haven't used in like six years. I'm probably not going to use it in another six years, but 
At this point in my life, a, a book and coffee at the slopes is more fun than my snowboard, but you get the idea. You might be somebody that really enjoys skiing and snowboarding, and it's there, but you're not entering into that joy. We don't want our Christian life to be that way. We want to enter into the joy of the Lord. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior right now as we end this service, I want to give you an opportunity to raise your hand. And I want to be specific on this. Is you're raising your hand to Christ, understanding that you're a sinner, that I'm a sinner, that we're sinners, and your sin separates you from God. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, hey, if you receive Christ as your Savior, all your wildest dreams are going to come true. Amazon's going to realize that you received Christ this afternoon and they're going to send you cheesecake every night at 8 o'clock because you're, you're a Christian. No, it, there's going to be a, a spiritual battle. You're going to the camp of light. It's not about having an easier life. It's that you need forgiveness of sins. And if you don't trust Christ for salvation, you don't have forgiveness of sins. And the Bible tells us, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only hope of going to heaven and not going to hell is trusting Christ as your Savior. So would you turn from sin and trust Christ? Trust what Jesus has done for you on the cross and say, Jesus saved me. And the Bible tells us that we're saved by faith. As you raise your hand and pray, God may meet you emotionally and it may be emotionally powerful. For others of you, there may not be anything that happens emotionally, but you decided in your heart, I believe Jesus died for me and rose again. And as we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we're saved. And as you believe in Christ, he's going to give you that free gift of salvation. The Bible tells us that he's going to come and live inside of your heart and be with you throughout this life and give you eternal life. If you know Christ as your Savior, would you be in prayer with me? I want to give you an opportunity to respond and receive Christ. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that you're here with us, that you love us. And we too take joy in you, Jesus. We pray that this wouldn't just be words that we read on a page, but Jesus, you love us and we're so thankful. For those that don't know Christ as our Savior, Jesus, would you speak to them? Would you show them your love? For those that are at home online and those that are here in the sanctuary, if you'd like to receive Christ, would you raise your hand and raise it high and keep it up? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer for you to receive Christ as your Savior. Just raise your hand to the Lord. Praise God. See hands coming up in the back. God's touching your heart. Just raise your hand to him. Those of you that have your hands raised, just pray this with me at home and here in the sanctuary. Jesus, I believe that you're God, that you died for my sins and rose again. I don't deserve it, but I'm so thankful. I turn from my sin and receive your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. You can put your hands down. Father, I thank you for those that have trusted the gospel through faith and your promise to give them everlasting life, to forgive their sins. 
May they feel the weight of their sins lifted. May your grace wash over them, your acceptance, your love. And would you grow them in you and protect them. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. God's good. If you just received Christ your Savior, we do have a new believers packet for you here in the front afterwards. Please let us know of your decision. We'd love to give that to you. Also online, if you'd let us know, we can get that to you uh, as well. We're going to enter into candle lighting uh, together. So pastors are going to come in and there's a a candle here uh, in the front that is going to start this out. And this really represents Jesus. Jesus coming in the manger, the light of the world, dying for our sins and rising again. And as we accept Christ into our lives and pass it on, you're going to have the opportunity to, to pass on the love of Jesus Christ. So as the, the light is spread, let's celebrate what Christ has done in our lives and also hear that call from God to spread his love to others.